Welcome, I'm Moshe Ferber. And I am Ariel Munafon. And this is the Silver Lining Podcast, a podcast about security architecture. And today we are with a special edition of uh, Silver Lining Podcast, uh, just me and Moshe Ferber. Good morning, Moshe. Hey, good morning. Excited to have this special episode. Yeah, we decided to uh, tell our audience a little about uh, ourselves, our podcast, and uh, to give the really a focus around the what we do why we do it and uh, after that we will discuss uh, d- discuss about the future of cloud computing and which challenges uh, which challenges could, uh, should be solved yeah well basically uh, the idea for this podcast came because people are approaching me and asking uh, first of all uh, what is security engineering I mean wh- what is the purpose of this podcast and is, is my product relevant to security engineering and And other people came and asked about uh, who we are and uh, what is the purpose of this podcast and uh, why are we doing this and uh, yeah so this is a uh, this is the best time to share uh, the knowledge to uh, sh- uh, to remove the the mystery around this podcast and talk about a little bit about ourselves so yeah let's start with you okay I mean uh, when I met you like three or four years ago you were uh, doing a database administration for the Israeli Ministry of Finance right. And then uh, I think in the last four years you developed like uh, both vertically and horizontally to do so many different things so t- what is your story yeah so I, I am a very complicated man this is uh, my also my career uh, should uh, sh- should show show, uh, show it uh, I started as a C++ developer uh, I was bored uh, after a few months and I started to do a internet uh, internet uh, programming. JavaScript, VBScript, uh, ASP, everything that I could. And uh, I was in three startups and uh, I saw that I am not uh, maybe so good as a, as a startup is because all, the, all of them were closed. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to, uh, to another uh, vertical, uh, BI, and uh, th- there were, at that time there wasn't uh, big data, but uh, business intelligence, I really liked the, uh, to jungle between the... Uh, Uh, you know computing uh, technologic and business uh, and after a few de- years I really enjoyed the uh, go deeping about uh, data so I became a DBA also Oracle and uh, SQL server DBA I don't want you know to be focused only on one thing and uh, l- uh, like I said in the in the like you said in the three or four years I uh, am really focused around the cloud computing uh, I saw that many of the the companies that were talking to me they had databases and they wanted to move it to the cloud so it just started like this log into AWS console and start moving after that they asked me if I am a DevOps I say of course sure I can be <laughs> and I started to provide the services as DevOps and uh, and there was also when I begin to uh, be very focused on uh, not startups but in helping uh, big companies uh, also the government and uh, And big enterprise to think and to be prepared to the to the cloud computing area okay so, so you're being modest so I will have to state uh, the obvious you are now managing managing a community of uh, cloud professional which is about seven thousand eight thousand people yeah. strong something like that yeah, yeah. you're origin arranging uh, events on a weekly basis I think uh, what do you get from this I mean what is the you're doing a lot of things for the community what is the passion in it? Uh, first of all is uh, I, I believe in giving to the the community 
And uh, Israel Clouds, uh, as I said, uh, it started really from a portal, israelclouds.com, and uh, from a small community. But uh, the main idea, there, there was two, two main uh, things that I wanted to do. Uh, one, really help technical people uh, do the start learning what is cloud, because I was talking uh, with people, IaaS, PaaS, SaaS, uh, even not serverless, and you know, they, they didn't get... Uh, what what it is it takes time to to really i think that understand what is cloud computing and not just uh, technically or uh, or economics there is a whole uh, whole thing that you need to really believe that all your it is changing in so many aspects so this is one thing to help uh, people ask questions and receive uh, answers uh, technically and not and other thing that really bothered me as a technical person is that there was no really a good media in Israel to support uh, people like, uh, like, like me, like I was maybe. Uh, really a technical person that talked uh, with the DevOps and uh, IT managers and, and other people about really uh, t- technical things and not, uh, you know, uh, or I don't say uh, yellow things or, uh, or just uh, notifications. Com- yeah. Commercial things. Yeah. yeah. So the, 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 and those two things uh, combined with all the, uh, I don't know, uh, the changes that uh, were happening in the world, not only in the, in, the technically, but in the technical side, but also, you know, all the newspapers changed and all the bloggers became a really uh, good person, uh, important person. So it, I, I wanted to do something good and it became something that uh, I, I thought about it, but I didn't thought that it was happen uh, so big and so uh, quickly. Okay, and uh, just to summarize in a few sentences, what is the silver learning potter for you? What, is the, what do you see in it? What is the goal? Okay, so first of all, I, one thing that I wasn't focusing on my career was security. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, a, I think, a focus that was a, before the cloud a, of a CISOs and only the person that were doing security in, 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 the, in the, their organizations. But I think that a, the cloud really change it so a matter that if you don't think security as a DevOps or as a technical person, uh, even if you are a de- developer, if you are a CTO, you really need to be careful about the things that you put in the cloud, how you secure the connection to the cloud. It's really things that uh, I, I used to talk about that is a shared responsibility model between every person in every organization and not just between the CISOs and the security person with the cloud provider. So I think that I can be the the person that uh, represents the others the the RCT guys and uh, really I, I I believe that it must happen so uh, it's for me really a good idea to to talk about it so people will start doing it more than today okay so basically we all the time we say that the security is the organizational problem not the CISO problem it's the everybody's problem so you are here to to take the flag and step forward and say all other security all the other professionals are re- willing to take their part in the in this, uh, I don't know, this uh, journey to secure the organization. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a nice mission. You know, I love the flaps. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what about you, Moshe? Well, um, I've been in the information security for the last 20 years. During the, for the first 10 years, I've been working for the large enterprises. Now, in Israel, we have a lot of companies that are a, they have their headquarters in the United States, but they have a R&D or operations or services in Israel. So I was working for those companies mostly. Um, doing a lot of uh, computer uh, security services and 
I gained uh, both a uh, very good technical uh, background in these 10 years. I mean, I, I've been working for the, always on the most innovative topics, like when identity management kick in, kicked in around the 2004, 2005. I've been doing those projects and security information management when we started this, all this project. Um, so uh, I was d very deep uh, bringing new software and developing new services on top of it. So um, I gained very good technical knowledge in these 10 years and I also learned how enterprises work and uh, how much of the basically on each project is dependent not on technology but in uh, uh, other sides of the project and um, after 10 years when I had enough I switched the other side and moved into uh, entrepreneurship now everybody knows that we have a very vibrant uh, startup scene in Israel so around 2010 I also wanted to try some of it and um, so ever since then I've been uh, heavily involved in many different startups some of them are more successful some of them were less successful but there was something major that changed also around 2009 2010 we stopped developing on top of uh, on-premise uh, data centers we stopped buying hardware we stopped developing our own uh, com computer rooms and we started developing on top of a uh, public cloud in the beginning it was the Amazon Web Services then Microsoft and Google kicked in and now we have a, a very different environment. Now, it was very easy for me to capture the different um, advantages for this environment, for me at least, as a, as a startup. But all the time I was, A, selling security, mostly selling security software, and B, uh, selling it to enterprises. So it was like the hardest niche. If we're talking about market education in 2010, Back then, it was hard, uh, hard enough to convince an enterprise to moving their workloads, not even security workloads, like uh, traditional workloads, not even to classified ones. It was very hard taking them into the cloud. And uh, I had to do a lot of market education. So I was uh, answering these big spreadsheets of questions. Most of them are not relevant. I was trying to explain what is multi-tenancy, and I got really so many questions from my customers. Again, some of them are uh, relevant, some of them were totally unrelevant. So I understand that I need to do a market education and started to look who were the market leaders in this area, who are the basically the, uh, the thought leaders, not market leaders. Who are the thought leaders in this area? Where can I find someone to consult with? Where can I find somebody who... Uh, who are the, what are the best conferences? Where can I send the, my customers to get educated? And then you found the CSA? This is where I found the, the Cloud Security Alliance. They were established in 2009. So uh, 2010, 2011, when I was looking for solutions, they were uh, starting to gain a more uh, publicity and starting to get more influential. And uh, basically, I found the home for everything that I, uh, I wanted to do. Uh, there was good uh, thought leadership. They had good reputation. I was able to show my customers, okay, this is how you do security. This is the methodology. This is the guideline. This is uh, other companies that are been doing the same. So they helped me a lot in this. Um, so I also joined them uh, in order to uh, help in this uh, journey. I had a lot of knowledge, which I gained to myself. I had my insights. And I think in 2012, I made the first uh, CCSK tra trainer and become a trainer. I uh, helped in building uh, different research. Um, I helped CSA and IC Square build, build the CCSP certification, which later uh, emerged. And um, slowly, this uh, this part of the community took over most of the the things I do. And for the last three or four years, 
most of uh, my most of my business is traveling around uh, the world and talking to organizations about cloud security and interaction that can last one hour up to five days I mean it's very different uh, interaction which gave me good visibility of how the world is adopting cloud also gave me a, a you know a good vis uh, understanding of the market like five years ago when I started talking about computer cloud computing only the strangest startups came over and only the weirdest uh, guys uh, stepped in and I had the chance to see how Later on, the, the large software companies joined in and started showing interest, and then the large enterprises came in, then the banks, and uh, uh, I really had a chance to see this market evolve and being built. And uh, it's amazing today, like uh, things I used to say five years ago, people were looking at me like I'm this strange character. Cloud could be more secured, banks will move the workloads. And today, when I wake up in this morning, the first headline I see that somebody posted in Facebook is that the Australian government is moving most of its cloud loads to, uh, sorry, most of its workloads into cloud computing, public cloud computing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and this is really interesting uh, to see this, how this evolved. But if you, if you see now, at, uh, you know, after nine, tens, uh, nine or ten years, but uh, really, let's say that enterprise started to look at the cloud before three years, uh, four years? Uh, it depends on the sector. It okay. depends also on the, on the geographic uh, location. I mean, uh, enterprise in the United States uh, were starting looking six or seven years ago yeah. at, uh, at cloud computing. Uh, they have much more adoption. Europe, a little bit later. Israel, following them. Asia still have uh, uh, big holes where they're not still adopting uh, cloud, depends on the country. So yes, there's still a lot to be done. We still haven't matured cloud services yet. Yeah. Uh, this is the second part of our podcast when we talk about the things that we haven't solved in uh, cloud security and the need for innovation to solve them. Uh, but uh, if we focus on uh, who we are now, so uh, basically what I do is educate the, uh, everybody. And this is also why uh, I went on this joint endeavor with you and built the Silver Lining podcast in order to educate and the reason we do it in English is to reach more people and uh, other people. Okay, and if we talk about the focus of our podcast, uh, is security engineer? Uh, yeah, well, basically, um, I've been, I, I, I went into this uh, world of podcast, uh, like uh, I started looking at it for like three years ago, uh, mostly looking at non-professional podcasts for my leisure time, and then looking more at uh, professional podcasts. Most of the security-oriented podcasts, uh, which are good, yeah, uh, but they're mo mostly dealing on the threats and the attacks, like mo mostly digging on different hacks and uh, what happened then, what is the history, which is, is I, I, uh, basically I'm uh, comparing it to popular science. It's, it's interesting, it's nice, uh, you learn a lot about attackers, how they think, and it's interesting stories behind them you can share with your friends. But if you're looking at those podcasts and you're thinking, okay, how can I build better services? with uh with this knowledge it's not there they're mostly again popular science and when i'm looking at this new startup today or even a large mature organization that is building clusters there is so much knowledge gap that you need to uh, to cover and this is basically the knowledge gap that we need to cover and mostly uh, i'm focusing on how to build products so i'm aiming at cu customers that are developing uh, products uh, you you, I guess in this podcast we will, we will focus less, and don't want to say we will not focus at all, because we might have a chance, we focus less about the traditional security, like protecting your endpoints, protecting your mobile devices. We're looking at the way that you build new services. So our target will be developers, builders, guys that are building to, uh, products, and how do they do proper engineering on top of them. 
uh, how do they engineer their services. So we mostly talk to builders, uh, we mostly talk to, uh, to engineers, and we set up how uh, those guys should build the, uh, the software and the, I would say hardware, but we touch hardware in a very specific basis, how they build the software better based on emerging technology. This is where cloud came in. I, I think that in the next couple of years, we will not talk cloud. We will not talk, we will not talk about cloud because cloud will be basically the, the, common, uh, uh, the common thing to build on. We will talk more about software as a service companies that need to uh, do multi-tenancy and build on emerging technology and develop very fast. So this is their challenges and this is what we're gonna focus about. Okay, so we talk about a little about us, a little about the podcast and uh, now uh, I want to start talking about the future and of cloud computing and uh, which challenges uh, should be solved. Uh. Yeah, oh, what we did here is basically uh, in, uh, we built a list of things that need to be solved. And since we insist uh, that most of our uh, most of our guests will talk about people, process and technology, we are also lined it up in, uh, in this format. So we talk about what should be what are the challenge current challenges in cloud computing and what should be solved by uh, better uh, educating the people what should be solved by better processes and what should be solved by better technology and, and this uh, is uh, the gold triangle that uh, we we we're trying to yeah uh, we're trying to <laughs> to uh, maintain as the focus or, or the flow of, of the podcast this. so I, i write myself to remind you but uh, for <laughs> sure you you remember so yeah. let's start uh, with the people, the people side. Yeah, well, uh, the people side, uh, th there are basically two problems. You know, no, those two problems are not unique to uh, security. They are all, all over the place, even when you're not talking about security, like regular developers or uh, product managers or uh, DevOps or whatever. But uh, they especially come to, uh, to get recognized when we talk about security. Uh, well, it's basically two problems that are interwined, uh, integrated between them. It's First of all, the lack of manpower. This is uh, in security. It's a it's it's a big thing. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to stick to specific numbers because you 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 can see different publications and you don't really know how to trust. But there are millions of cybersecurity jobs that are missing in the next couple of years. Now, cybersecurity in general and specifically people who are trained in, in cloud services. And uh, this is only half of the story, because uh, as we said in the, uh, in the beginning, more and more security responsibility will shift into the operations and not the security the guys themselves, because, again, security needs to be closer to the assembly lines. Mm -hmm. So more and more security will move into the developers. And this is the second thing. They have lack of knowledge, both on the cloud services and both of security. Every, in, every, guy, every guest we had was mentioning that he finds hard time finding the right personnel with the right knowledge on top of it. So basically we need more manpower who are trained in security and training cloud services. And the knowledge is changing. Every guest we talk to says we are stop uh, recruiting guys that are uh, infrastructure oriented. Um, we don't need to again connect switches, configure uh, routers. What we do need is guys that can do uh, understand code can write scripts. Why do they need us? Again, the problem has shifted. We don't need somebody to uh, install a window machine. It can be done very nice automatically, but we need somebody to build an environment that is consists of 100 window machine, two subnets, one firewall, two routers, uh, five load balancers, and we need to build this automatically. This is done not by configuration, by automation. 
So this is our task, and uh, we need to uh, educate people according to that. One thing that I want to ask you and, and stay uh, right now, uh, the people, if we look at the, at the past, uh, or even right now, more of the cloud uh, computing were uh, used by uh, startups. And now uh, we focus uh, in enterprise that are doing the, the shift. Mm-hmm. I, I am feeling from the enterprises that I, uh, that I talk to that they are looking not uh, for like the guests that we had here with the developer side, but they need something, someone that knows security, also cloud side, but also the operational the system, you know, to connect uh, the Active Directory or build the... Uh, They need guys that uh, have good knowledge in operations, mm-hmm. but also have, are security-oriented. They understand the different tasks. They understand network security. They understand a little bit about developer security. And those guys are really uh, rare to, uh, to gain. Why is that? Because most of the security guys are focused in enterprise. Why? Banks and insurance companies, large enterprises, they need more security guys. Also, those are the sectors that are adopting cloud computing slowly. Yeah. So uh, uh, this is one side. And uh, again, the guys that are in a bank, they will see less cloud computing technology. Second part is, uh, who has the biggest problem? Government, traditional, uh, traditional sectors. Why? Because if you have a cloud professional guy, he will most probably go to uh, the, secure, the software uh, sector. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they pay more. At yeah. least uh, in Israel, this is the position also for many places in Asia, also in many... In Europe, you might find uh, a position in a bank that might, cost, might, might pay you more than a software company. But again, it's also very hard to get a position in a bank. So those sectors are fighting for their lives, by the way. This is one thing that uh, basically uh, denying or uh, holding uh, cloud adoption to governments. They don't have the right mind power. Yeah. Because even the youngest, uh, the largest uh, software companies having trouble finding the right professionals. Yeah, I can say it about myself, building the team in the Minister of Finance. They took me, every person that I had. <laughs> so really, you, you gain the knowledge and then, then they, yeah. they, they, they take it then. There, there's, uh, I see it all the time. There's a young, uh, very motivated guy he, uh, or a woman. Yeah, he studied uh, Amazon. Then he gets a much more profitable job in one of the software companies. Yeah. So it's like a, a hunt, which yeah. is very hard. This is why we need to create... faster and better education about cloud computing. Okay, so we can uh, move uh, to the process uh, side? Yeah, well, under the process side, you, uh, there's a mixture. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, it's some of it dependent on manpower, some of it dependent on uh, uh, laws and legislation, some of it dependent on technology. I would say the biggest problem that we need to solve, and again, I don't look at this as pure technology, is the malicious insider. Uh, we have this problem all the time. We have it in, uh, inside technology. Our organization it's doubles when we talk about cloud providers why is it double um, first of all uh, the first of all I would say that um, it's something that is about uh, psychology mm-hmm. not about real threat I mean uh, if you're working in I don't know if you're working in a bank you see the the employees even the, if they're external even if they're contractor workers you see them you identify them by name you see them walk into the your building every day you have close relationship at the cloud provider you know who have no idea who they are they're like black boxes to you so you have no idea who the people are so naturally you became a uh, more uh, suspicious more suspicious about it now cloud provider at least the large and mature one have invested heavily in doing uh, cloud security. From the internal from the uh, 
protecting from malicious inside. They're doing, they're doing this by uh, good access controls. Nobody's allowed to go to the, uh, to the data center. They're doing this by uh, data center automation. There are very few things that you're doing in a large cloud provider at the uh, uh, infrastructure level. Most of the people are staying at this, uh, staying far away from your data because every access to the data is automated. With that said, there's still a lot uh, what to do. I mean, large cloud provider has this methodology, not all the small one. You still see large cloud providers that are saying that they need access to customer data for support. They're saying, Google is saying, where uh, sometimes our employees can uh, read your emails in order to train our AI. Uh, where did I see it last time? Uh, uh, Evernote, one of the largest uh, consumer cloud uh, software as a service, they say that uh, you might, uh, their employees might read your notes in order to make sure that uh, the AI understood them correctly. This is how they train them. So first of all, we need to start having uh, this support access, like this type of access, being eliminated and being moved to automated or at least more monitored in order to gain more uh, trust about it. Second, we have the level of background checks, and uh, this uh, this is very different from every country, but we still need to have this level. Third, automation. This is back to technology, uh, uh, how we build things without manual intervention, so reduce the, uh, reduce the chance that somebody will have access to the data. All of this together should be uh, handling malicious insider, but again, it's a combination of technology, the right people, and the right process to do so. But what do I look at the malicious insider? If I look at, uh, you know, AWS, uh, GCP, and, uh, and Azure, mm -hmm. you, you are talking about that, uh, you know, Evernote or, or SaaS companies can or may look at your data. It is true also to AWS and uh, Azure? Basically, uh, the, the problem of support accessing your data is more a problem in software as a service because, okay. again, you have less controls. In infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, you're expected to have your own access to the data. You need, it's less about the, uh, the provider access to the data. So when I talk about support access to the data, it's more about software as a service. But in, uh, in IaaS Pass, this is uh, less of a problem, also because you have better encryption capabilities in IaaS and Pass. But in IaaS and Pass, the problem is uh, there's more to be gained. Mm -hmm. Like Amazon, Google, Microsoft now has data centers that are like the port knocks of the world. Like yeah. they hold so much of the human uh, knowledge in it. So there are more people with interest and they're able to pay more in order to gain access to these data centers. So uh, even though it's uh, less of a problem because of automation and better encryption, it's more of a problem because there are targets. Okay. And uh, right now, uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago, there was a headline saying that America broke into Russia Google uh, Yandex in order to gain access to specific accounts. This probably happened also the other yeah. way around, uh, yeah. most definitely. <laughs> and now if I'm if I'm intelligence officer somewhere, usually in the past I needed to go, I wanted to recruit a general, like very high ranking at the army to get access to the data. Yeah. Today I don't need the general. Today I need the lowest ranking employee inside Facebook or Google or Amazon. The one that has access to the... Uh, basements of Amazon where uh, you can have access to the data. So, uh, again, those companies become a target for espionage and they need to uh, move differently. By the way, we're talking about espionage in a couple of uh, government access to data in a couple of the, uh, minutes, so uh, let's leave this uh, to that. But yeah, so the problem of malicious insider is all over the place. Okay. Uh, okay. Both SaaS and both IS Pass again, because they are such a nice target. With different challenges, but yes, there are yeah. more. 
So uh, the other problems we have, and I need to write a blog post about it, is the fact that we're using the shared responsibility model. This is the, our process for risk management is highly dependent on the shared responsibility model, which is nice, and it brought us until this far, and this is the best we have. But to be honest, it's not working anymore. The lines between IASPAS and SAS, which is basically the base of uh, the shared responsibility mo model, they are fading. Most of the IS provider also PAS provider. In uh, Salesforce, you move between your uh, PAS and SAS, like you seamlessly. So uh, this is why cloud provider gets a questions, please list all your uh, services that are IAST. And they say, but most of our services are mixed, they're IAST and PAST, you cannot push this regulation. Why this, uh, why this happens? Because auditor get the shared responsibility model, they, they treat it as like, uh, okay, so the IAST, Bible. <laughs> they, they treat it as like, the, okay, this is the Bible. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a place to, this is how, this is how we understand things. So if you have an IAST service, this is my responsibility. Now, go and understand that it's all mixed and that you have to uh, think about this differently. And uh, there is no real border. And your programmer could be, uh, sorry, in one minute you could be uh, the handling SaaS. And in the click of a button, here will, the data is moving into IaaS. And when you take Office 365 today, you ha it's a software as a service, right? It's the mother of all uh, software as a service. But part of Office 365 is Azure Active Directory. And Azure is part of Microsoft Platform as a service. So how can you build your... Uh, when an auditor tries to build his control list, control checklist, according to the shared responsibility model, he will not get nowhere. Mm -hmm. I was helping many governments and different organizations build a cloud policy, and I always, the first uh, immediate response is, let's take this shared responsibility model and decide what is everybody's responsibilities. It will not work. You cannot build a formal guidelines based on the IAS and SAS, again, because the borders are not clear enough. Okay. So we need to uh, come up with a different uh, model, and I have this model in my head, and then <laughs> I will publish it, in, I think, in the next couple and, of uh, weeks. And we, we didn't use servers, serverless yet. We did say only IS, PaaS, and SaaS. Yeah, uh, well, uh, <laughs> again, try to stay one level above. Yeah, yeah. but I, uh, I'll give it in a highlight. We need to change the model into if you're building software or if you're consuming software. Okay, so this would be uh, the okay. difference, and it's some, some kind of a prism where you stand... Uh, because also today, in most of the software as a service, it's not pure software as a service. You're able to develop on your own, like Salesforce. So some kind of a prism, but again, uh, follow the blog post when I get it. Okay. Third thing that is a, is a challenge, and again, it's not about technology. It's well, basically, it's all the privacy laws and the different, um, and the different jurisdictions that we have, which is making everything so complicated. Okay, so this is uh, like the side of the government uh, and the regulations? Uh. Well, first of all, we have privacy law, which is a good thing. In, in people need to uh, be protected from privacy. But privacy laws today have made the world, uh, it's dividing the world into islands. Like you have uh, information in Europe, you cannot take it out unless it gets a proper protection. So you started, uh, you started uh, building... You started uh, moving around contracts and stuff like this instead of focusing on the technology. I call it innovation barriers. Because if I need to uh, build three different data centers for one application in order to give uh, in order to give services to United States, I need to build it in the United States. Europe, I need to build it in Europe. If I want to provide services to Australia and New Zealand, I need to build it in Australia. So this is really problematic. Now, we build the internet as, a, as an amazing uh, highway. Uh, 
let's call it that people can share information. And now we're building roadblocks mm-hmm. on this uh, highway in order to uh, make sure that uh, privacy, in order basically to keep the information inside, like information is knowledge. So it's like, uh, it's like building barrier. It's like building, uh, ta- like building tax walls mm-hmm. over uh, import of goods. It's very similar. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need privacy laws, but what we have today is a big mess. If I'm storing my data in Ireland in a, a Microsoft uh, in Microsoft possession. The amount of laws and regulation that my data is in, uh, and the nature of them is uh, the amount of them is very big. So I need to start analyzing. Okay, because it's in Europe, it's under GDPR, and because it's Microsoft, it's under the uh, Patriot Act. So uh, I have to build a big list. We need some kind of frameworks where laws would be integrated in each other. We need some global solution for those privacy laws instead of each country building their own islands and then starting to put barriers between uh, data moving between different places. So we need to somehow harmonize this. I have no idea how different treaties, different, I don't know, world agreement on the, um, the moving of data, but this needs to be solved because it basically blocks innovation and it co- again, it's it's against everything that the internet is coming to uh, to present. When we need to preserve privacy, while well, we need to make sure that real-world borders will not interfere with uh, the logic, with the nice thing that the internet has, which is basically no borders. Okay, so this is an interesting uh, point, and maybe you should also uh, make a, a blog about that. So uh, I don't have a solution. I don't like to have bo- uh, blogs about only the problem. Yeah. Like for instance, for the share information model, I have a different model to offer, yeah. the share the responsibility model. Over here, I have no idea what the solution but should I, be. I, I don't think that maybe, you know, the people that make laws in different countries, they think li- like you do. So they need to believe that it's really a problem that, uh, you know, like, like you said, the internet should be make all the world a small village, and now we put barriers and... Uh, and uh, stop uh, innovation. This is really one thing that... Let's uh, work on this blog post together. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, in the five minutes we have, let's move into uh, technology. technology. Yeah. And, and this is basically a call for innovation. This is... Uh, I, I'm, I've been doing this... Uh, uh, I've been doing this lecture for, I think, the last five years, and it's very nice to see how it evolved. Like, f- uh, five years ago, I was warning everybody about GDPR is coming, and now... Uh, <laughs> And now it, uh, came. Uh, <laughs> it came a year ago and I'm able to remove this slide. <laughs> but there are some things that haven't changed since I began talking about cloud computing, but that's okay. I mean, all top 10 vulnerabilities exist for 20 years. They haven't changed and they're still the same vulnerabilities. Uh, different changes. Yeah. Sorry, minor changes, but the basics are the same. So I guess these problems will be here to, uh, with us for a while. Uh, let, let's talk about them. Uh, so again, uh, it's it's a mixture. It's always a mixture of technology, uh, process, and people. But uh, those things are can better be solved in uh, some kind of a mixture. But uh, I put it them under technology. The first thing is multi-tenancy. Now, when we talk IaaS pass, multi-tenancy works. I mean, we have good uh, practices where relying on traditional controls like firewall, VLAN, software-defined networking, DNS separation, DHCP. We are relying on things that we know that we are pretty much confident with. But when you move up the stack, when you move into the application level, suddenly the walls between the different tenants are not high enough. And they're basically, in the end, they're built on tagging the database, saying this is bank, of, uh, this is bank A versus the data of bank B has a different tags. Now, when you rely on tags, 
Um, basically, your entire security is based on how your application is built, how the walls are built inside the application, how your access controls are inside the application. This is where mistakes can happen. If I think uh, as a, a DBA, if I make the word uh, X uh, equals A or B, I can really make a, 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 a huge uh, uh, problem because people can maybe reach data of other people. This exactly. Is what, okay. Exactly. This is exactly what happens by different, uh, uh, by different uh, ways mm -hmm. of doing it. Sometimes it's uh, SQL injection, sometimes it's cross-site scripting, CSRF. Different uh, ways of attacking, sometimes it's just a bucket on an open bucket. But yeah, data is leaking and it's most between tenants and mostly it happens at higher level. Mm -hmm. um, uh, maybe I'll, uh, in the podcast, maybe I'll add some example for that. But it happens to all the big ones. It happened to Dropbox and it happened to Microsoft. People were able to log into their account without passport, see other people's uh, uh, information. Many pen testers who are doing pen testing on cloud application, again, not the mature ones, not the large provider, but the smaller provider, are able to do some kind of cost right scripting between different tenants. So um, this is a challenge and we need to solve this. How do we need to solve that? Better access controls, better encryption. Like, uh, we, for instance, if we can have a goal of blocking, uh, sorry, creating multi-tenancy where each user has its own encryption keys, each tenant has its own encryption keys, and if that is encrypted with that, it would be a major progress. We are still far away from something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we talk about um, uh, multi-tenancy, and uh, what are those uh, problems uh, we had? Well, um, basically, um, let's talk about uh, another challenge, which is, again, I'm kind of mixing a couple of challenges together, you know, I think because maybe the, uh, we are solving this the sol maybe the solution would have to mix a couple of them. Well, we have a problem of uh, secret storing. Now, what is first, let's define what is a secret. Secret is basically uh, every secret, every uh, confidential information that your application needs in order to communicate uh, with other components, which basically include encryption keys, API keys, connection string to database, um, certificates, uh, SSH keys, all of those are considered to be application uh, secrets. Now, this is not new. I mean, we had application secrets before, way before that, and we had different methodologies to cope with this. But what has changed? Basically, what has changed is we're using lots more of those, uh, of those secrets. Why is that? First of all, we develop on top of a, cl a cloud platform, so we need API keys to communicate with that. We uh, switch into more uh, hardware, uh, sorry, uh, something you have authentication, like AP, like SSH keys, we switch to from something you know authentication. We have more API keys because we are communicating with the cloud infrastructure, so we have more API keys because we develop into microservices. So each service needs to develop, to talk with other services. How do they do that? OAuth keys, API keys, different authentication schemes. So we have much more uh, credentials that we need to store. And this problem became uh, increasingly uh, problematic. We have more, so much uh, lack of knowledge over there, so people are storing their API keys in different locations, in bad locations, like uh, storing them inside a configuration file. And the configuration file will wrap up with the code, and this code goes to GitHub. And uh, statistics says that 36 hours after the API keys is being uh, accidentally uploaded to uh, GitHub, somebody will use it, mm -hmm. not for the, <laughs> and not to improve your environment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they will not log in and uh, give you some tips. So um, 
we have this problem. It's a big problem. Um, I think that I, I recently heard a lecture from Amazon Security and they said that eight out of 10 security incidents involve in somebody uh, misplacing their uh, API keys. Mm -hmm. Now, API keys is just like your password. They're the keys to your kingdom. So we need to develop better methodology how to store them, not store them on disk, not to store them uh, store them only in memory, have them approachable by uh, the uh, DevOps process. And again, this automation thing is making things more complicated because if it was manual work, you could have simply, uh, you would find a solution how to transfer. But when you need things to do aut to be automated, you need keys to, uh, to put it in your scripts and this problem really becomes big. So we need better solutions. Now we have different solutions, the ArchiCorp Vault and the uh, Privileged Identity Management and stuff like this. They're still not solving all the scenarios. Mm -hmm. And they're still not, uh, I don't know, how would I say, uh, built efficiently for uh, as a cloud services. Okay. Uh, we still need to maintain the keys and the different software or hardware-based security. And uh, this is uh, the challenge. Now I'm Adding to this uh, some other aspect of this challenge for the sake of time and the efficiency, we need better encryption. So today we are basically encrypting the container. We, we are encrypting the disk. We're encrypting the volume. Right? We can encrypt. We can very easily encrypt the disk, or we can very easily encrypt the database that we're having. Uh, we have the challenge of where to keep the keys. This is connecting me to the previous uh, paragraph. But we also have a challenge of uh, building better encryption engine. What do I mean by that? When you encrypt the database, you encrypt the disk, when you encrypt the hardware, you encrypt the, uh, basically the application infrastructure, every, every, uh, the encryption is only relevant to the level that you encrypt in. So if you're encrypting the database, but somebody is coming from the application and doing SQL injection, he will receive unencrypted data. Mm -hmm. So we need better application uh, encryption, better encryption engine. And basically what we really need, and this is also uh, solve other challenges, we need better homomorphic encryption. And this is like the holy grail of encryption. Homomorphic encryption is basically doing processing over encrypted data. So I can give my provider, the, my customer data, he can give me insights, but he doesn't have the key to the encryption. Now, uh, this is totally theoretical. There are mathematics in uh, Yale that are uh, working on it. And uh, we, when we see companies that are doing homomorphic encryption, they're doing it on a very specific thing, like our encryption keys, and it's still not perfect. And this is like the, this is where we need to go to. Okay. Our traffic, uh, sorry, our data should be encrypted, not only in traffic. This is we're pretty much able to do that, uh, encrypt all the data in traffic. We need to keep it uh, data at rest also encrypted. And it's also very important because of government access to data. Now, hackers don't really care where you store the keys. They will not go where the encryption is uh, live. They will go where the encryption is, uh, where the data is not encrypted, like the developer workstation or the DBA uh, workstation or export or something like that. Government cares where you hold the keys. And government access to data, again, is highly dependent that cloud provider will have your keys. So this is another problem that we, again, need to share, either by different laws that will tell us this is the terms that the government can access the data or by technology. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a very big topic, so yeah. uh, let's not uh, go into more. We have a couple of smaller topics that needs to uh, be solved. Um, I, I really like the, we talked uh, on the, uh, last week on the cyber week about the continuous mo uh, monitoring. Yeah. I, I really also li like the, you know, the, the thinking about it. And uh, well, can you? Let's define continuous monitoring yeah. for a second. So, um, up, up until now, when we're doing certification or adhering to different standards, it's a point in time. So when you're doing like ISO certification, for instance, you, the certification is done once a year and it's valid for the day that it's being done, uh, either certification or attestation 
let's not go into details. Today, when somebody is auditing you, it's relevant to a place in time. So at this specific date, I was secured. That was good enough when IT was traditional. It was changing slowly. But today, uh, last week in Cyber Week, somebody says that they're doing a production change every few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> one of the yeah, uh, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So again, this uh, environments are in one year, I can change the environment completely. Yeah. So periodic audits is not the answer. And we see more and more standards and regulation and best practices moving into continuous audit. And again, this is a problem that needs to be solved. How do I gain, uh, get the right information from my provider about my security poster, my logs, my, uh, uh, my vulnerability status, and I get it continuously, also for my data and also for his infrastructure. So how do I do the ISO 27 audit on regular basis, not periodic, ongoing, maintaining? We are still, from technology point of view, we are still far away from that. Mm -hmm. We need a cloud provider to develop their APIs for that. We need a good monitoring uh, service to do that. We need a standard in order to do that. We need to decide what we need to monitor, what, is the most uh, f what are the most important stuff. So again, this is a, a challenge, and I think this is in the next couple of years, we see more and more laws and regulation pushing us to, uh, uh, to do continuous monitoring, and we'll see more and more solution around this, and it's, again, innovation that needs to be solved. Okay. And uh, let's talk about uh, two other, uh, again, I'm combining two other challenges in the, for the sake of time. Automation and uh, API security and everything that is around it. Now, what I see in the last couple of years, I see that the engineering team can do an amazing job. They can build up automated, they can spin up like a totally uh, big environment, complicated with different, they, in push of a button, they can launch uh, 50 VPCs yeah. with the networking and uh, routers and all the configuration and software defined networking and everything. And then comes the security officer says, okay, now I need to do some uh, manual work. I need to call my integrator to do the hardening. I need to install this uh, agent for the software patching. And now uh, in, you get five minutes, you build up the environment, and then it takes you three days to secure it. Um, and I'm being cautious when I say <laughs> three days. So I, security needs to develop more automation. Now we have, uh, in the last couple of years, I see more automation around the management stuff, like doing a risk assessment automatic and uh, giving you log management automatic, we also need to put automation into the engineering itself, have better security testing, have better uh, agent uh, installation and the way that we basically do a bootstrapping for our uh, service. We need to do this more automated. We need to have better automate, automated tools for application security. This is where my, uh, most efforts should go into security testing, building your servers, and, uh, and detecting the, the changes in those servers. We need to have more automated. There is no reason today that servers will have SSH or RDP access to them. I'm not talking about management servers. I'm, I'm talking the, uh, the online workers. Yeah. Work. You have 10 web servers. You should get into a point where it's immutable infrastructure. You don't have access to them because you never change them. You want change something, change the underlying automation, the configuration management, the image, and then launch new services. Uh, from a stability point of view, you don't want uh, to do changes in yeah. existing servers. So again, from security point of view, this can remove so many attack vectors. Just need the industry to move into this uh, direction. 
Now, automation is highly dependent on API. Also building uh, the APIs between you and the provider, also APIs between different services. And this is another challenge we have. We don't know how to do good API security. Now we mastered how we, how we uh, authenticate users, live users. We mastered how we protect them, user behavior analysis, uh, multi-factor authentication, authorization, role-based access control, list privilege. We need to take all this methodology and move it into API based because the major identity project I see in the next couple of years will not be around live users, it will be around different services talking to uh, each, each other. other yeah. yeah, and now so we need to start talking about authorization and access, but not for live users, for different services talking to each other. And again, we are far away from mastering how we do this professionally. Okay. So I see a lot of places for new startups to, <laughs> to emerge, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've been talking a lot. You want to summarize this, Ariel? Uh, yeah, uh, we talk uh, just the two of us today. Uh, it was really nice. Uh, I think uh, we should uh, do it maybe uh, one more time at least to see how uh, how the you know the feedbacks that uh, we had. Next time that a guest will not arrive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we, we will do that. Uh, and now uh, we talk a little about ourselves, uh, your career, my career, how really we get together in this. Um, in this podcast, Silver Lining, uh, we focus on security engineer. We, why? We, we explain why we choose security engineer. You did. And uh, we discuss a little about the future of cloud computing and uh, the challenges that, uh, that they are and how at least you think that they should be solved. Yeah. Okay, so it was a good one. Yeah. Let's uh, see you next time. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Bye.